0: Welcome to Avant Bard, a podcast where two theater nerds explore the highest highs and the lowest lows of works inspired by that upstart crow himself,
1: William Shakespeare.
0: My name is Megan Charlo, and I use she-her pronouns.
1: And my name is Matthew James Marquez, and I use he-him pronouns. Once again, there are no quotes for today's film at the beginning of the episode, because we are going to be discussing joss whedon's much ado about nothing which is a direct adaptation of course of william shakespeare's man no
0: say much ado about nothing
1: Anyways, Man was directed by Joss himself on his contractually obligated two-week break from The Avengers in 2011, and was released in 2012 at the Toronto Film Festival, before having a limited release later that year.
0: Wait, so he's filming Avengers? Yeah. And he said, I need two weeks to make a... Uh, Megan, film? I don't know
1: what's in the contract. I don't know if they added that in the contract, or he what added What if they an... were
0: just like, you need a break? For two weeks, because we know you go a little much. And he's like, yeah, I'll make a film in it.
1: Megan, I don't think a studio is going to say. You need a break.
0: No, he probably said I need a break, but did he have this film in mind? That's so weird.
1: I don't know, Megan. So Joss Whedon is a weird topic for me, because I appreciate his work and enjoy most of it. But I have some criticisms of his work that I am afraid to address, lest his fans eat me alive. But I want to go over Joss Whedon's career with you here, Megan, just because you know it and I know it. And this is like the first director that we've covered on this podcast who really accesses popular culture. Yeah, like probably
0: everyone's seen at least something by Joss Whedon.
1: Yeah. So... I think we should go through his entire career, because it's actually also pretty short. So he started off in Hollywood in the 90s as a screenwriter for things like Toy Story, and he also wrote Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and he sold like a million dollar script, which is how he made his money in the first place. But he was like super disappointed with all of the screenwriting Projects that got made into movies without his creative control, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So then he pivoted into television with Buffy the Vampire Slayer.
0: Much better than the film.
1: Yes. So this led him to create the Buffy spin off Angel, which I like and Megan hasn't watched for petty reasons.
0: I just don't like Angel.
1: Then there's Firefly, which everyone loves and I think is just okay.
0: We don't need to speak, it's fine. (laughs)
1: before pivoting off to comics where he wrote Astonishing X-Men, which I like, and A Run on Runaways, which I do not like, where they go into, like, the past. And then the writer's strike happened in 2008, whereupon he helped make Dr. Horrible* sing-along blog self-funded with his family and friends, and then pivoted once again to television with Dollhouse, a show I've never seen. He then went on to make the much-loved horror film Cabin in the Woods, which is my personal favorite Joss Whedon work. And then he skyrocketed into directing Marvel's Avengers released in 2012 and then directed Marvel's Avengers Age of Ultron in 2015, which I do not like. It's very bad and you can fight me at Marquez the GM on Twitter. And then finally in 2017 He took over post-production for the Justice League movie, a movie which no one I have ever met has actually seen.
0: That came out?
1: Yeah, Megan. Wow. And then after that, he's proceeded to do absolutely nothing. He's been signed on to lead two projects which haven't followed through, and he left one of them. He left his superhero Victorian feminism tv show which just sounds like a combination of all of joss whedon's things at once and i would be very tired if that show came out he may have an actor on justice league accusing him of being abusive on set and his ex-wife made allegations that he's not that strong of a feminist as he might seem and he's actually kind of a shitty guy but we don't need to get into that but I just needed to say it or else I would explode. Man was filmed in the home of Joss Whedon that he shared with his family and was filmed in black and white to take advantage of natural lighting better. It's a very low budget affair for a film, which in all honesty I think is very in line with Shakespeare's whole deal. Though, I will state, t- That if Shakespeare had access... To uh, the
0: money Joss Whedon has, he'd use it?
1: Yes. Yeah. Every time I see a production that's just like, well, we are trying to emulate the Globe Theater with candle lighting and everything, my brain just goes to, yeah, I don't think Shakespeare would want that. Shakespeare would be like, cool, you've got magic lights? He'd
0: point to the Avengers and be like, You could have done that for me?
1: (laughs) Shakespeare in the Park. And speaking of Shakespeare, Much Ado About Nothing is a comedy that was probably written and performed around the turn of the 17th century in 1598 or 1599. It's unclear. It's a play about love and idleness in the Italian countryside with an enemies to lovers couple of Benedict and Beatrice. And a forgettable plot couple of Hero and Claudio. It's a play about rumors, gossip, and celebrating. And hey, nani, 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 nani. It's a play where conflict is easily resolved by just talking to each other, and everything resolves at the end because marriage and love, true love, and people dance as there. But before we get started into the actual film, I want to state that Megan is bad at actors.
0: Thanks. Let's get started.
1: Nope. But she is very good at remembering things that she grew up with.
0: Artax! Ah!
1: So I want to state that with Joss Whedon, I am out of my depth when it comes to actors. So just like The Black Adder, This shall not be Marquez's, but Megan's, acting corner.
0: I know everyone. Hold your applause. So, Joss Whedon is one of those directors who casts someone once, and then falls in love with them and uses them whenever he can in the future. This means that this cast is full of people that I've seen a bunch of times in shows that I love from my youth. So the funny thing is that the two people I probably get the least excited about in this cast are Beatrice and Benedict. Beatrice is portrayed by the lovely Amy Acker, who graced television in shows from Wishbone to How I Met Your Mother. In Whedon's works, she played Claire Saunders slash Clyde Randolph slash Whiskey in Dollhouse. I don't know how all those names are connected. She played Winifred slash Illyria in Angel. Again, I don't know. And she played Lynn in Cabin in the Woods.
1: Oh, was she like the lady who like sort of had a crush on that security guy? And then she died with everyone else?
0: Yeah, so she was Lynn. But she's great in this. Moving on. Benedict is played by Alexis Denisoff, who I'm going to claim is best known as Wesley Wyndham Price from both Buffy and Angel. A lot of people will argue that he's better recognized as Sandy Rivers in How I Met Your Mother. But I'm going to push that claim aside and remind everyone of that little British goody two-shoes guy who yet had a thing for a high schooler, and that's not okay. Avant Bard does not believe that Alexis Denisoff has any feelings similar to those of his character, Wesley Wyndham Price. But Avant Bard would also like to point out that that show colored that relationship as fine, fine to have. <laughs> Now, there are so many other people who are huge, in my opinion of actors, so I'm just going to go through them as quick as I can so this acting corner doesn't take too long. Leonardo, played by Clark Gregg. Agent Coulson, yeah, I know.
1: Wait, Megan. What? Leonardo was going to be played by Anthony Stewart Head, but Anthony Stewart Head couldn't do it. Why would
0: you tell me that? I
1: just, Megan, I looked it up and I was going to text you before the episode. But then I realized I should save it for the episode to make you very upset that he wasn't Leonardo. I
0: mean, Clark Gregg is great, but Anthony Stewart Head. <laughs> yeah. Then Clark Gregg could have been Don Pedro, Dogberry, Nathan Fillion, you know, from everything. Claudio, our good boy friend Crans from *Midsummer* and *Cabin in the Woods*. We love him. He was
1: also in *Dollhouse*.
0: Don John. It's Sean Mayer. My boyfriend, Simon, from Firefly. Shut up, Marquez. Shut up your face. I love Simon Tam. Conrad? Ricky Lindholm. She was Donna Thromby in Knives Out. And Garfunkel in Garfunkel and Oates. But more important to me, she was the flower car girl Janine in that one episode of Pushing Daisies with the Crash Test Dummy.
1: Megan, I thought you were going to go small and fast. Shh.
0: Virgus, a character I didn't know how to name until right now, is Tom Lank. Andrew from Buffy and Angel, and man, if that doesn't bring back my childhood, I don't know what could. Margaret, this teeny maid character who's important to the plot, it's Ashley freaking Johnson. I'm a big fan of Critical Role, and Pike and Yasha are two of my favorite characters, and also maybe Joss felt bad because he cut her waitress role in Avengers down a lot. She's also Ellie in The Last of Us and Tulip in Infinity Train, and I just love her. She's a great voice actress, and God, that's the end. It's not the end. Even Hero, Jillian Morghese, was an extra in The Avengers. Don't know as who, but she was there. And the other two people on Nathan Fillion's Dogberry Squad are the comedy duo Britannic. Britannic? Don't know how you say it. I've never watched their comedy, but I have faith in them. The end.
1: God, what an awful garbage acting corner. We should just start the discussion of the movie. Ooh, I'm Megan for Marquez every episode.
0: It's okay, audience whose sounds I insert because I do the final edit. You don't need to boo Marquez. He's just trying to make me feel bad for fun because we're friends. <laughs> On to the movie proper.
1: So we start off with a prologue, dumb show, inserted scene of Benedict leaving Beatrice in bed after a night of sweet, sweet love.
0: That's who those people were?
1: Yeah, Megan.
0: I've seen this film multiple times and I've never been able to place who they are because I'm terrible with faces.
1: (laughs) That is a shocker that you didn't understand that through context.
0: Here's my thing. As soon as people start talking, I forget that that scene even happened. That's the honest truth.
1: Okay. It is, my take, unnecessary. You do not need to show that they had a past relationship Because it is implied and basically outright stated that they had something before. So you don't need to show us that they had something before.
0: Especially just like with no context at the start of the film before we've even met them.
1: Yes. Also because of the fact that you haven't met them, you don't recognize that he's walking out on her. Because they don't make it clear enough that... He's sneaking out.
0: Yeah, I was just like, oh, she's pretending to be asleep for some reason while this guy leaves. And then she's actually awake. And now we've cut out of it.
1: Megan, let's move on to a loving shot of a big tree.
0: Hey, that's Joss Whedon's tree. If I had that tree on my land, I'd probably love it too.
1: It's a good tree. That's
0: a strong tree.
1: I don't know why we're shooting it.
0: Because it's the sexy-ass tree he wants to show off.
1: Yeah, uh, that's fair. We cut away from the tree to people showing up to Agent Coulson's house for reasons.
0: So, I do like the use of people arriving in cars on film to enter the scene. Because, like, you can't really do that on stage. Like, I don't know. There's something about it. It's interesting and it's real.
1: Yeah, you can't put cars on stage.
0: I don't know. It's simple. I shouldn't like it so much, but it's just a very iconic entrance. That's not even true. It's very bland, but I just like it. That's the end of my statement.
1: Leonardo mentions that a war has ended and the soldiers are coming home from war, but everyone is just wearing business suits. Is this a business war?
0: It's nothing. It doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah, Because of the fact that there's no context, the lines don't make sense. And that's fine.
0: So I think Joss just wanted there to be a reason for Benedict and Claudio and all those people to show up and not be around all the time. But like, we can just come up with our own reason. We can just be like, oh, they're here for something.
1: They're just coming (laughs) over.
0: We don't need the war thing. I don't know. I
1: think it's the fact that it is too difficult to extract lines to make it not about a war in the first scene. You would have to change a lot of Beatrice's stuff where she talks about like... She
0: does say a lot of funny things that only have to do with war. Yeah. Fair. Keep it. I guess.
1: So then a messenger comes to Leonardo to tell them all about how the war went. And this is boring. That's my hot take. It's
0: also very obvious that this film is filmed with just a hand cam because it was just done in two weeks at Joss Whedon's house. And that is kind of annoying if you have eyes that pay very close attention to movement. But it also gives us like a weird college student vibe. But if the college students were big names in filmmaking and they had giant mansions, Yeah. And big famous friends.
1: Yeah, didn't have to go location scouting, nor did you have to do casting. The handheld camera movement bothered me so much, especially in this scene. It gets better, or maybe I just get used to it.
0: I think you just get used to it.
1: It was just bugging the hell out of me in this scene. But then we get, you know, the lines with Beatrice talking about Benedict, and I think Amy Acker is great in this
0: She's so good. She's just witty and snappy. She's feisty. She's Beatrice.
1: And then Don Pedro and Claudio and Benedict show up. And I know you mentioned Fran Kranz, Megan. But this is our second Fran Kranz on the podcast. And I think it's our first second person ever on the podcast. Yeah. So congratulations, Fran. You've made it to two episodes on uh, A Bar. Uh! Spoiler alert. I think he's pretty good in this film. I wrote down here that he's a Fran favorite.
0: So Beatrice and Benedict start talking to each other. And my first thought is that Beatrice kind of looks like Liz Lemon from 30 Rock, but like young and if she'd gone down a different path in life.
1: I like this. Let's explore this, man. Okay. What?
0: Um so you know Liz Lemon from 30 Rock yeah she's funny she's got short hair Yeah, but let's say she had more money growing up
1: and she was more competent at many things well that's
0: the thing she had more money growing up so she was able to get better at things she doesn't need glasses she's got contacts maybe she didn't need to go the community theater route she's just best friends with Joss Whedon wait that's not Beatrice that's Amy Acker (laughs)
1: I noticed that Benedict and Beatrice have their little exchange with nobody around them, which isn't how it's laid out in the play. And at first, I thought I liked it.
0: Because it makes it more intimate.
1: Yes. But then, upon thinking about it a little bit more, I don't like it because much ado about nothing, and also what Joss has said about this movie and interviews, the theme that they wanted to go for was how society pressures you into acting a certain way or how love develops under the pressures of society. And I think that taking this away from everyone else makes it so that this is the truth.
0: Right because when you read much do about nothing, it's very obvious that it's a show they have to act like they super hate each other because that's what everyone expects them to do because that's what they've done in the past.
1: Yeah. So Beatrice and Benedict's whole deal is the lady doth protest too much, me thinks. I think it works better when it's people sniping at each other. I think it makes it a better ship if it's clear that it is performative. Because then you're like, ooh, they secretly like each other. I can tell behind all that I'm writing my my be a dick fanfic. I'm sure it's Benatrice and not be a dick.
0: I don't know. They're good at being dicks. The other thing is we never see Claudio and Tiro get to be alone. So I think it's important at the start that you see both of these relationships that seem to be polar opposites in public so that they're on equal ground and then after everything goes down later then we get to see private conversations
1: i have a controversial opinion yeah they're talking too fast in this movie
0: see this is only controversial because i okay (sighs) here's my thing i hate myself for this I honestly hate myself for this, but I just have a good feeling of superiority, I guess, when they talk all fast and I go, yeah, I know what they're saying. I get it. I think it's great Shakespeare. But I've felt that way since this came out, and now I can't shake it.
1: Here's the thing, Megan. Though I make this comment about how I think that they speak too fast. Well, A, I do think it is entirely because these actors are used to doing Buffy speak and just rattling things off. But I agree with you that I think that what they are saying is understandable and I can get it and I don't lose words. It's the fact that some of these lines lose intention and feeling because the actors are just saying them with a mode in mind this is an insult so i will say this with the cadence of an insult this is some praise i'm going to say it with the cadence of some praise but the lines themselves don't have meaning like what they are saying
0: you get the gist but you don't get the meaning
1: even though you understand all the words yes weird
0: i get you i get that so when this came out i remember talking to people and saying i'm so happy to see shakespeare that is just said naturally and i think what i meant was that i was sick of seeing people like put on a shakespeare voice and go over the top with things but everything being said so fast Isn't natural unless you have two very gregarious people talking to each other. But it's very rare that you'd have 15 people in a room who all talk this way.
1: Also, the plays in prose, it's not even in verse, which makes it weirder to me that it is so fast. Because prose, you don't have the restrictions of the meter. There is an internal poetry to the words but you are in no way, shape, or form restricted. Much Ado is one of the plays that is almost entirely in prose, so you could take it however you want.
0: Cutting back to the actual film, we find out that all the boys are going to be staying at Leonardo's house for a month, and Amy Acker is just brilliant, and I don't know, she gets this look on her face like, oh no, a month with Benedict. What if we fuck? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they've got a past and all that, but I don't know, that was just the vibe I got.
1: So then we go back to talks about business war. And I gotta say, Megan, Don John is so fucking boring, and he is giving me absolutely nothing.
0: So as someone who Firefly was very formative for me, the way that Simon Tam acts in Firefly... They set him up as like, oh, maybe he's a suspicious guy at the beginning. And then it turns out that he's just this, like, really caring doctor boy. And then Don John here, it's like, oh, he's a suspicious guy. But he actually is. And I... (laughs) My notes just said, I love Simon Tam. That's all I wrote (laughs) for this scene. I'm super biased. I don't know... I'm going to give you a spoiler. Every scene with Don John has a note from Marquez basically saying, I don't like this. And me going, wow, I like this.
1: How? There's Why? Just
0: something.
1: No, there's nothing. He's actually giving you nothing, Megan. See, I think you what you think is you see like a, a really pretty box and then you open it up and there's nothing inside and you just go, oh, look, a box.
0: I love that box.
1: Okay, let's leave Don John alone with the hope that in later scenes, he gets more exciting of an individual. So then we transition to <laughs> Don, Pedro, Claudio, and Benedict getting led to their rooms, which is like a little girl's room.
0: Okay, here's my question. So they're in the little girl's room. Yeah. Are there any little girls?
1: No. My assumption is that it used to be Beatrice and Hero's room when they were really little.
0: So, like, they had a girl's room that just stayed that way throughout their entire lives, and now they have their own personal rooms?
1: So the real story, Megan, is that this is Joss Whedon's house. And And that's his
0: daughter's room?
1: Yeah. And they couldn't change it?
0: Because I was like, this is so silly. Haha, he's in the girl's room. Wait, this is a child girl's room. There are no girl children in this.
1: Also, rich people do shit like that, man. That's true.
0: They have, like, living monuments to their living children.
1: Yes. So, for this scene, I do like that they split up Shakespeare's long-ass scenes into tiny little scenes. What I hate is the lens flare transitions between the scenes.
0: It continues throughout the film. I hate them.
1: They hurt, and listen, famed director Joss Whedon... Boop, 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 boop. Lazy. This is lazy transitioning. A lens flare.
0: Time has passed. The location has changed.
1: Find something else. Something more interesting.
0: Scan up your fucking tree again. I'd rather see that.
1: Yeah, do an establishing shot and then transition. The lens flare is so bad.
0: Frank Kranz aka claudio he's talking about hero and how he likes her i'm so happy to see our good friend fran kranz in puppy love instead of in stoner yeah it's just such a nice change because everything i've seen him in really has been a stoner well and i mean he's been
1: different types of Stoner, right
0: but it's still he is stoner actor but and this he's just like puppy love boy
1: I think that Fran Kranz has a look about him.
0: Oh, absolutely. I don't blame people for that typecasting. But it's just so nice to see him showing something else. Because he's so good.
1: So like Megan was saying, Claudia is talking about how much he likes Hero to Benedict. And they reveal this information to Don Pedro. In one of my favorite lines, which is... They're trying to hide the information from Don Pedro. And Don Pedro says, on your honor, you must tell me this. And I always love it when Benedict's like, I wouldn't tell you, but on my honor, you see, my honor, I gotta do it.
0: He double dog dared me. I have have to. to.
1: And I always love that. I love that little Shakespeare joke. And so everyone figures out Claudio likes Hero. Don Pedro promises to talk to her. About how much Claudio likes her at this masquerade that they're having later. And then the scene kind of ends.
0: Well, they're like, Benedict, do you like girls? And he's like, no, girls are gross. They got cooties. And then he walks away and he comes back with a silly girly hat because Joss Whedon directed this. And that's going to be the first in what I call some Joss Whedon bullshit. Uh
1: Benedict's got a gun.
0: From Business War?
1: From Business War. They don't need the gun. The gun's not necessary. What if
0: he needs to use it in post-business war? <gasps>
1: Business war too.
0: Business war never changes. <laughs> Joss Whedon just owns fake guns in his mansion. God,
1: I hope. So we have Don John, and he's plotting. And by plotting, I mean he's fingering Conrad. Not yet. Oh, not yet. He's
0: touching her boobies. Yes.
1: Don John is getting all up in her oats. Um, so what does this add to the scene, Megan?
0: So my note was making them a relationship is dot, dot, dot. Interesting question mark.
1: Is it though? It's
0: different is I think. The it's a I choice. Meant. Yeah, it's a choice.
1: Rather than him just having two henchmen.
0: It could be that it's a level of why Conrad doesn't turn so easily on don john
1: Uh... and is like
0: f you to dogberry because she's like even closer to don john okay that's what i'm gonna assume
1: so here's the thing megan yeah he's still boring
0: i'm gonna be real this scene makes me uncomfortable because i'm pretty ace so, I, I can't pay that much attention to that's, this. Scene. That's fair.
1: Megan, were you not paying attention to the lines because he was just touching her boobs and kissing her?
0: Yeah. yeah. Also, the first time I saw this, I spent the whole scene going, Who is she? and trying to figure out what she was from.
1: Baraccio walks in, and this gives me really strong Denny from the room vibes when he comes in on Johnny and what's her name making out. And he's like, I just, can I watch? And it's weird.
0: Except in this, he's just like, hey, we want to talk. And Don John goes, okay, let's talk and starts fingering her. And that is literally something that happens in Game of Thrones.
1: See, normally I like when something like this happens, which is weird, Megan. Yes. I like it because I like when a character is like...
0: I don't care about you.
1: But here's the thing. He doesn't care about anything. Like, it's supposed to be that he's like, I can multitask and plot and do this thing at the same time, and I don't really care about this one other thing. But when he has the emotional range of a potato...
0: Hey, my only issue with him is once it's like, well, okay, so let's go. He's just like, finger out, let's leave, you don't get to finish...
1: That's rude.
0: That's not very nice. Conrad does a lot for you.
1: Also, Boraccio's two years old.
0: Yeah, he's got a baby face.
1: This guy is so young.
0: I don't think he's actually that young.
1: So Spencer Treat Clark was 24 when this film was made, which is still super young. But he also doesn't have like a leading man jawline, which is what bumps you up in looking older when you're like 24 he doesn't have that he looks like a
0: little round face yeah
1: he's he looks like he's 15 he looks like he's a
0: cutie like in high school i might have thought he was a cutie Uh, even though he's 24 and i was a high schooler so they go to go ruin things
1: yeah so like their plan is man i heard that claudio likes hero okay let's go fuck it up that's it that's the scene
0: yeah see that's the thing that's shakespeare's fault
1: yes megan that is shakespeare's fault But when you give me so little with so little...
0: Simon Tam never got to do sex. Let Don John do sex. Just let him. Joss Whedon obviously just wants to let Sean Mayer have sex. We cut back to Leonardo's family.
1: They're gonna start partying.
0: They're doing a little pre-partying in their house, picking out masks, and... I was watching this and I was like, they do all look related. And then I realized it's in black and white, so that probably helps that a lot. But either way, I think that Hero and Beatrice look very related, but they're supposed to be cousins. But like, they could be sisters.
1: Yeah. So the party gets started. People are talking to each other with masks on in order to be like, ooh, I'm not who I say I am. Hero should know it's Don Pedro and the reason why.
0: It's because he's way older and has got more silver hair and he's taller and talks completely different.
1: Oh, I was going to say is Don Pedro also a nothing of an individual, which makes it good that he's related to Don John, because these are two brothers who aren't people.
0: Ooh, ow.
1: I think these two are bottom three for me are Hero, Don Pedro, Don John. Do you think Don
0: John's worse than Don Pedro? No,
1: it's going. Okay, I, that okay. wasn't in order. That oh, okay, in order.
0: okay, okay, okay.
1: But in order, it goes hero, Don John, Don Pedro.
0: I mean, as long as Don Pedro's below
1: him. He looks good. It's just that everything he says is.
0: I feel like he has the least connection to the text.
1: Yes. And just like Don John, if Shakespeare's given you very little, Don John doesn't have much to do.
0: You need someone really good to make something of the role.
1: Yes, that's the thing. If you're a theater company that only has a small pool of actors, you put your not-great actors into the minor roles and just kind of deal with it. But this is Joss Whedon.
0: He might be a great actor to work with.
1: Oh, I'm sure.
0: So this party's got a fire pit, there's a pool, there's a aerial dancer.
1: Joss Whedon just like showing off his nice house. That's
0: such a big yard. I want that yard.
1: It looks nice.
0: Benedict is wearing a turban and doing an accent, and well, I don't like it, Benedict. Slash Joss Whedon bullshit number two. Yeah, I
1: was going to say this is like the standard, casually racist Joss Whedon shit. Where you're just like. Is this phrase? I feel like it is. I feel is. uncomfortable. I feel like it is, but it's not absolutely horrendous. Oh, we do learn in this party that Ashley Johnson, who is playing Margaret, is really into Barraccio, And Ashley, he's five.
0: Here's the thing, though. Ashley also has a baby face.
1: That's fair. They're a
0: pretty baby face couple, but she has like an adult baby face. Yes. And he has a baby baby face. Yeah. But, oh, plots could arise from this. Also, everyone, not everyone, but like the character Antonio is like, I wanna fuck Ashley Johnson. I should just start calling her Margaret. I wanna fuck Margaret. And she's like, no, I wanna fuck that boy.
1: (laughs) Which is why it's weird because the messenger Antonio character is much more attractive and also just kind of there. So then we get the image from the cover of the poster. With Claudio holding a martini and having a snorkel over his face.
0: He's in a pool, don't worry, it's not just on land. Oh
1: yes, he is in a pool. And my statement to this is why was this the poster cause they're at a party? Much ado about Martini.
0: No, it just looks silly. That's it. Ho oh, ho ho ho. It's a comedy. And then he's in the water, and this is all happening while Don Pedro is wooing Hero for him, and then up swim three shark people it's don john and conrad and Braccio. wasn't Braccio
1: just like there
0: shush, shush 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 we need three so we can surround him and megan goes this is the most sexual moment of this film they're all so wet and he's a nerd and they're all around him and whispering in his ear just little deceits
1: is this a kink for you megan
0: I don't know, maybe. They're like
1: Cause you say it's sexual and I They're like don't.
0: dark mermaids, just like <laughs> he moves for himself. And he's like, Oh no, my martini glass. My snorkel.
1: Okay, I will say two things. One, I think Frank kranz is a great actor in general?
0: Yeah. That's why I was talking about it. I'm so happy he's not just doing a stoner guy because he gets to do real emotions here more so than usual.
1: Two, Fran Kranz is a snack?
0: I told you the scene was sexual.
1: Maybe it's because he's just consistently playing stoner dudes with baggy t-shirts.
0: Now he's like wearing suits and swimsuits and...
1: Well, I mean, the thing is, Fran Kranz is secretly super buff, And it's wild because of the fact that usually he's wearing just like really baggy t shirts. He's usually
0: dressed like shaggy. Yes. And in this, he's like, why hello, GQ Magazine.
1: Yes. And I'm like, I think I have a major crush on Fran Kranz now. Fair. Listen, Megan, you're discovering that you think that Dark Mermaid's tempting you is sexual when I'm just discovering that Fran Kranz is hot.
0: So they convince Claudio that Don Pedro actually likes Hero and is just trying to get her for himself, which took no convincing at all. And Claudio gets real upset and stares at nothing and says, they're right, he was for himself. And I kind of wish the camera, like, showed him seeing them laughing together or something to confirm that suspicion in his brain instead of him hearing it, seeing nothing, and believing it. They had two weeks to make this. Don't blame them. No, I blame them.
1: So then we have Benedict talking to Claudio and asking, like, dude, what's wrong? Claudio explains himself. He thinks that Don Pedro wooed Hero for himself. This is all resolved because they go to Don Pedro and Don Pedro's like, I didn't do that.
0: And Hero's there. Claudio comes in all pissy and is like, you did this. And both Don Pedro and Hero are like, no? Hero likes you. And he goes, wow, really? Oh, we're all friends.
1: Not a red flag in sight, man.
0: Shakespeare. Puh, 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 puh. Lazy. Yeah. Why was this even written in here? There's no conflict. It's two seconds long.
1: I think that it was only put in there to plant the seeds that Claudio is... is
0: real gullible?
1: Yes, and jealous.
0: Yeah, fair. But it just... Ugh.
1: The fact that it's all in one scene, and then it's resolved within the same.
0: Here's what I'm realizing. I would have preferred, if he thought that, then Hero came up to him. He never voiced that he thought that. But we can tell that he thought that. Hero comes up to him. He goes, Oh, never mind. I guess she does like me. And then we, so we know it, but he doesn't have this whole talk it over thing. It's just under there buried. So when worse things happen, it builds up and builds up. Yeah. And it's something that was kept inside and then bursts. That's fair. That's kind of harder to do, but that would be my preference.
1: So because Hero and Claudio are now together, together. Beatrice laments about how she'll never find a husband worthy of her, and they flash back again to them, like sex in. I'm like, again, we don't need this. I don't like it.
0: I didn't mind this one so much because I actually knew who it was and what was happening. It's strange because in Midsummer we were really thankful for the phone proof that this had happened, but I think in Midsummer. It's a lot harder to believe that it's true. It just seems believable and obvious in Much Ado that Beatrice and Benedict had something at some point.
1: Well, I also just like not making it concrete. It's just this, they have an amorphously...
0: Will they, won't they?
1: Maybe. And just like a past that someone got hurt in and you can just get that from the lines.
0: Instead of like... Well, they had sex and then he walked out. Yeah. Like, it could be either of them. It could be that something else happened. Yeah. No, I like having it more open-ended.
1: Well, because by showing it, you're not changing anything. You're just providing context where none was needed.
0: You're just saying, this is exactly what happened. Stop your imaginations.
1: Yes. However, I love Beatrice here being wistfully sad that she doesn't have someone to be with
0: there's this beautiful moment where Don Pedro basically says there's no sadness in you at all like your mother probably laughed when you were born and just the way that Amy Acker portrays Beatrice in this moment where she's like no sure my mother cried oh and then there was a star and there's dancing and people laughed and it was great there's just this brief glimpse of like no, there's sadness in me, like, I'm really sad. Just kidding, I'm happy, haha, <laughs> everything's great and funny, ha. <laughs> you didn't notice my weakness there.
1: In one line, you are able to showcase that Beatrice secretly is hiding her emotions through humor, and I think it's the greatest moment in the play.
0: It's just so good, and she portrays it perfectly. Amy Acker, brilliant reading
1: shakespeare brilliant writing (laughs) yes
0: but everyone leaves and we pull back and oh no don john is in a beautiful stairwell in the shadows listening in and this stairwell is honestly perfect for snooping i assume that joss whedon has caught his children or someone snooping on that stairwell and was like ah i'll put don john there also he's got a face for snooping
1: See, Megan, what I love about this scene is how good everyone's acting and how excited they are sounding that they are finding out information about a marriage.
0: Shut up, Marquez.
1: Again, it's just so not a thing that is happening. And honestly, Megan, I will give you something. I think that Joss Whedon doesn't give a shit about this.
0: It's one of those things where you know he only had two weeks. So he very obviously focused on Beatrice and Benedict. They're the majority of the play. They're the main characters. That's fair. But you can just kind of tell it in minor scenes that it was like, let's do maybe a couple takes of this and move on.
1: Yeah. Also, if I'm saying that Don John is giving us nothing, Baraccio is giving me less than nothing where he comes into the scene and he's just like, I know that they're going to get married. I have a plot that can work to this end. Cool.
0: And they all go, ah. Uh.
1: So I think what ultimately is my problem with this, Megan, they're trying to be noirish and they're succeeding, but they're not putting a comedic or extreme emphasis on anything. Like, they're playing it all straight, but the thing about playing these types of characters and scenes straight is that they end up becoming boring because there's not much there
0: i absolutely see that and it especially comes across because of the black and white but it is kind of weird because that's not part of anything else
1: yeah it's just
0: the don john scenes it's like suddenly this is a noir film
1: yeah that's why i think it's not working
0: i mean that's kind of the problem with the tonal shifts in the original play is that this is a comedy but it The comedy only really comes from two characters and then the Dogberry Squad. And then everything else is like serious as heck.
1: So in the next scene, we have Benedict and he's going for a jog.
0: Just going up and down the steps that are so gorgeous in Joss Whedon's backyard. I want to do a photo shoot on these steps. They're so beautiful. But anyway, he's just doing a monologue, just going up and down and up and down and up and down these steps
1: movie directors don't know what to do with monologues that's my thing they don't sorry not just monologues more specifically soliloquies because he's just saying words and though i get that he's saying them i don't get the intention behind them it's not as bad as Macbeth, which I think is the most horrendous use of soliloquies where you're just speaking to someone indirectly into their eyes and they don't interact with you.
0: I'm really torn about this moment because I think the content of the soliloquy where Benedict's just questioning how can someone devote themselves to one person? How is true love like a thing? I don't get it. There's so much more in life wouldn't you want to look at this lady and that lady? And I just don't get it. I feel like the exercise through that, that's absolutely a thing a person would do when you're like pumping your brain, pumping your body. Like you're trying to talk yourself through something and you like pace around your room, etc. It makes a lot of sense, but I still wish that there was more intent and more emphasis and just more to the actual words being said. Instead of just relying on the fact that he's exercising.
1: I agree with you. I think that that is definitely something someone would do. But something someone would do is have an amorphous feeling in his brain that he is just in his thoughts going through, like, what the point of the monologue is, I think is definitely something that would go through someone's head when they're just like running. but. When you're running, it is mostly just coming through in stream of consciousness, thoughts, and emotions. Uh, words he's saying are thoughts with through lines and poetry written behind it.
0: It's beautiful wh- and well thought out.
1: Which he doesn't portray because of that fact that he's just running up and downstairs. Uh, a fix I have for this, Megan, is instead of just running, Give him, like, a full set of weights and have him do, like, freestyle workouts. So you could just have him in one place.
0: Change of thought.
1: Yeah, a change of thought. He changes what kind of workout he's doing.
0: I think also just if there were more points when he stopped working out to consider what he was thinking through. Yeah. Because they do that towards the end.
1: They do that towards the end, but he's still just saying words. No, exactly. My problem is during the end Benedict makes a list of all of the things that women could be and saying like here's how I'd want a woman and then he lists things that like kind of contradict themselves because the type of woman he wants doesn't exist and this film just kind of plows through these
0: he also lists three different things and looks at maids as they go by but they only show two maids but there were three maids at the house margaret doesn't come he could have had three i don't get why joss whedon only gave him two continue
1: so there are no jokes because he just says the lines
0: it's okay marquez we're gonna get some great comedy soon okay as in right now because now the plot begins to try to get Beatrice and Benedict together. So first, we've got Claudio, Don Pedro, and Leonardo talking together real close to where Benedict is outside. And talking about, wow, did you know Beatrice is so in love with Benedict? And this is some of that Joss Whedon bullshit that I like. Number three. I'm talking about Benedict hiding terribly while trying to listen into this conversation that they want him to be listening in on.
1: This is where the film works best.
0: He's rolling around. He's diving wildly. He does one where he like goes to the big bay window and then they walk toward the big bay window and he goes, oh, they're going to see me. And he goes, <laughs> and you hear him through the window.
1: So I think this is great. I think this is the best the movie is, is during these physical comedy bits. I wish the movie was like, more like this all the time i have a tangent for you for a second okay speaking of these physical comedy bits and this being the best the movie is and this is where joss is excelling you know who i think would make an amazing shakespeare adaptation especially a comedy who edgar wright
0: (gasps) oh my god i want that
1: Because speaking of the physical comedy, all of this, like, jumping through, getting out of the way, rolling out of the way, I would like to see more of a Scott Pilgrim impossibility to these. I just think of Scott jumping out of the window when Knives comes over, and that comedic moment. That's just my little two cents. We get this scene through. They've properly convinced him that Beatrice is in love with him.
0: Even though Claudio's so bad at it. He goes way too hard. I I love it. He's like, she's going to murder herself with an axe. And then everyone's like, no, no, no. And he's like, figuratively.
1: What I don't like is Benedict's monologue afterwards. Because again, I understand everything he's saying. I just don't think that I hear him coming to the discovery that he's going to woo Beatrice.
0: I feel like it's not earnest enough.
1: Yes, And then, thankfully, Beatrice comes in, which I love this bit in the play, where she comes in, just invites him to dinner, and then he's trying to impress her, and then she's just like, oh my fucking god, this guy. Go
0: inside!
1: And she leaves. And then he spends the rest of the scene picking apart the little things that he says. And I love that on paper, but then when Amy Acker leaves, I think Denisov doesn't do a good job afterwards it's not earnest (laughs) enough no
0: that's the problem it's not earnest i want it to be earnest i want this to be where the bravado of benedict goes away a bit yeah and we see some vulnerability and some actual hope and some like real questioning
1: so i think that joss is saving this for the later scene where he shaves his face yes but i think this is the moment that that should happen you can
0: do it in multiple moments we're supposed to root for them
1: yes honestly i just don't think this works sadly
0: but it's okay because now it's time for beatrice to get tricked well here's my thing
1: this scene i think is the exact opposite in which margaret and hero come in and try to convince beatrice that benedict is in love with her and i think those two actresses are not doing a good job.
0: I thought they were doing good saying the right things. I don't think they're as convincing, but I think they said everything perfect, unlike Claudio.
1: But I think that's comedically oh, great. Oh, no, it's
0: comedically great. So you're just saying who comedically owns the scene.
1: The three boys are better than the two girls, but I think that Amy Acker is better at reacting to it than Denisoff. So I think that they're like opposites. Amy Reacker? In fact, I believe the scene more because of her reactions than what the people are saying.
0: (laughs) You know, I think that actually is a really good point because my notes in this were, wow, these girls are doing a really good job. And the more I think about it, I'm like, it's because her reactions and secondary acting were so good that I was convinced that they were doing phenomenally. Yep. She falls down the stairs. That's great. They kill Beatrice.
1: (laughs) She's dead. The rest of the scene, she's a ghost.
0: (laughs) Beatrice and Benedict both can't hide from people that they want to snoop on. That's how you know it's real. Yeah. It's just good. So she's convinced.
1: And after the scene, again, she's so much better at being earnest. She's so
0: (laughs) earnest. She's like, oh my god.
1: Has my protesting made everyone think I'm a massive bitch?
0: And she takes that moment to self-reflect and question and you see her come to her conclusions. They're not just there because they were in the script.
1: Okay, short scene coming up. It's Don, Pedro, and Claudio finding out that their plan worked because Benedict is on a bed, and he's got his little feeties up, and he's looking at a portrait of Beatrice.
0: Joss Whedon bullshit number four.
1: (laughs) This one I think works the best. I (laughs) love
0: it. This is a thing that he would have Xander do in Buffy, In a brief moment where you'd actually like Xander.
1: Fair. I would also like to say that Denisov looks so much better without a beard. He's a man who looks very handsome without a beard.
0: But the good times have to be ruined because here comes Don John in to tell that Hiro is not a good girl. She's sleeping with everybody. She's a horrible skank. I just love the line every man's hero i just love it this is the
1: only moment that i like him in this movie i
0: love how he says every man's hero because it's just so like matter of fact but like he lights a fire it's just so honest Well, being so fucking dishonest.
1: Granted, I think that them just being like, I'm mad. I don't think that that's good. I
0: think that's a very bad whiplash from how quiet, just like.
1: And Claudia's like, I'm mad at you. And I'm
0: like, come on. We were so smolder bad, like such a little knot of tension. And it just immediately blew up.
1: And so Don Page is like, well, hold on, let's go look for proof. Then everyone leaves.
0: Every man's hero.
1: Okay, Megan.
0: It's so good!
1: We move on, and now we have Nathan Fillion.
0: Oh, Mr. Dogberry, welcome to the movie.
1: He's great.
0: Here's the thing, he's great, but what makes it even greater is there's some incredible comedic secondary acting happening in the scene.
1: So, Megan, you mentioned the boys from Britannic earlier and you had no idea who they were. Why did you mention them? Because
0: I just know them. Okay. Like, I've heard that name so many times growing up, but it was always like one of those skit things where I was like, I'm busy watching Smosh. Excuse you.
1: (laughs) Well, A, I think that Britannic is better than Smosh. Oh,
0: I'm sure Smosh is trash.
1: But they are bringing early 2010s energy into this. Oh, yeah. Literally, they got contacted to be in this film because Joss like, I saw those videos. I think you kids are pretty funny.
0: I think you're funny. Do you want to play with Nathan Fillion? And they're like, oh my God, Nathan Fillion?
1: I think that they're great in this. I think that everyone's great. I think Tom Lank is great.
0: Tom Lank with his little mustache. What a hero boy.
1: I literally wrote, I have no notes. I think this is just funny.
0: Like, it's just Perfect. Dogberry is one of my least favorite clowns,
1: typically, because
0: I usually don't like how people portray him because I think they go too far and yet not far enough. Like, I don't think people commit enough. Yeah. And like the band, a lot of times people have them kind of making fun of Dogberry too. Yeah. And I think that's just incorrect. They have to be devoted to Dogberry. And these guys, this group, they pull it off. Chef's kiss.
1: Another thing is, I think that Dogberry's malapropisms are the closest thing to Buffy speak.
0: Oh, yes.
1: So I think that that's why it works the best.
0: Joss is good at this shit. This is his humor. Yeah. This is if he knew Shakespeare, he'd be like,
1: I I love this shit. I forget what the line is, but it's like, I bid you desire to go back with us. And he's like trying to formulate what he's saying in his head before he finishes it. And that's entirely what Buffy speak is. is You start a sentence, you don't know where you're ending, and then you kind of jumble words together to reach a conclusion.
0: I don't have very many notes about the play, obviously, because it's just a direct adaptation. But Joss Whedon chose to flip the last two lines of this moment, where it's just the group. And I think it makes a lot more sense. In the original text, Dogberry's like, let's go and then the watchman say something and dogberry's like actually one more thing there's a wedding blah blah but he just switches that so the dogberry says everything and leaves and then they say we hear our charge let's go sit upon the church bench until two and then go to bed which like they don't want to say in front of him i don't think because i think they're supposed to be out all night but they're like let's just go to bed yeah and so i like it more that he's very obviously left okay and then they say it It's just a very small thing, and it was honestly probably just so that they didn't have to do the comedic, I'm back, but I just think it's cleaner, and I just liked it. It was just a very simple changing of order. One point for Joss
1: Whedon. Zero points for Shakespeare. Oh. Because my least favorite thing about any Shakespeare play happens in this scene, which is Conrad and Barraccio show up. Hey, did you do the thing? Yes. Yes. Here's how I did the thing in very excruciating detail.
0: Show us the thing, Shakespeare.
1: It is bad. Like have a scene with Baraccio and Margaret where they're talking to each other and he convinces her to do this thing. And then you go off and you do it.
0: Or have a scene where you see the three guys or four guys or however many guys are there watching, watching something and reacting. Yeah. Or a scene of everything. You know, just show it. Don't tell it.
1: The main plot point that's going to get Hero in hot water is done off screen and is just said by everyone, which could be a thematic choice in that no one actually sees the act happening. And so it is all just hearsay.
0: Hmm. It probably is just because Shakespeare was like, I don't want to show that. How do I show that? How do I show
1: that? I can't show
0: sex on my stage.
1: Yes. So Baraccio just says it, but we do get a flashback showing what Baraccio's is saying, which I do thank Joss Whedon for.
0: I like that there's a flashback, but I don't like this flashback. It's really weird. The shots are weird. The angles are weird. The zoom level is weird. Everything's weird. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about it. It just seems so strange to me. It might just be because these are the biggest close-ups we get in the entire film, and uh, so it throws me off. That's fair. One thing I really love about it, though is margaret's face when barraccio says that he is basically having sex with her and calling her hero we see them up against each other and margaret looks so uncomfortable and like oh god why did i do this this is weird like i'm not into this i don't really like this anymore i liked this guy and this is just gross
1: So anyways, after he tells this story, the Britannic boys capture Conrad and Baraccio. That's the end of the scene.
0: It's wedding time. Woohoo! Prepare for the wedding. The camera person takes a picture of the audience. I don't like that. Why'd you do that to me? I'm not here. And Hero's like, I gotta get dressed in this dress that you wore to fuck Baraccio last night. (laughs) And
1: Margaret's like, don't wear my fuck dress.
0: She's like, "Mm, I'm gonna wear the fuck dress. You, know, you got all these other pretty dresses. Beatrice would say that dress is trash. Fuck Beatrice, Beatrice. I'm wearing the fuck dress.
1: Let me wear the fuck dress.
0: And Beatrice comes in. And they're like, isn't that dress terrible? And she's like, I have a headache. I don't give a shit about anything.
1: <laughs> okay, so this is weird, Megan. This is something that doesn't work in a modern production. Because the whole point of her being sick is that her humors are imbalanced because she's hiding this love. Yeah. And so that means she's sick. But like, we don't believe in the humors anymore.
0: So now I'm just like, are you hungover? Yeah. You didn't drink last night.
1: So what it should be for me, Megan, is that she's been like crying or something. I
0: think that's what they wanted us to see because she was like, oh, I'm snuffly. My eyes are kind of red. But it It wasn't obvious. Yeah.
1: So, you know, Margaret's like, here, take this medicine, the Benedictus, and rub it on your chest.
0: Also, that's not a thing that we do now.
1: No, Megan. I know
0: Vicks VapoRub, but, like, she'd say, take this Vapo VapoRub. She wouldn't be like, yeah, take Megan. this Luan Benedictus.
1: Hey, Megan. Yeah. Marquez's telenovela much ado. <gasps> oh,
0: Vix Vapor. Oh, my God.
1: take this mixed mixed vapor rub the thing that all mexicans use oh my god put it on your chest it'll make you feel better it's our cure-all that's what i want to see
0: if you don't know what we're talking about with the telenovela much ado please listen to our 2020 wrap-up episode of avant Bard.
1: but get it it's called benedictus you know like Like benedict Benedict. Benedict. she's like benedictus what do you mean by this It's basically a person saying, like, what do you mean by, how are you? (laughs) (laughs) That's the end of that scene. It's mostly just about the acknowledgement of the fuck dress. Yeah. And then we cut to...
0: The cops are here! Wait, before the wedding, we got to stop. Leonardo, we got to talk to you because we're cops. What is the connection of Dogberry's guards to Leonardo?
1: I guess they're just cops.
0: But then why would they talk to Leonardo? Who who is he to them in Uh, this modern retelling? I
1: guess it's just that we caught guys on your estate.
0: Oh, I guess they were on his land. Yeah. That's fair. So you could be like, are these yours?
1: Yeah. (laughs) I will say... The line, we are now to examination these men rules. Nathan Fillion delivers that line so cool.
0: Nathan Fillion delivers all these wonky lines perfectly.
1: Yeah, another one I like is Tom Link keeps interrupting him and he's just like on a hobby horse once sits in front and one stands in back <laughs> and he just kind of moves Tom Link behind him. Continually,
0: just physical comedy, just simple physical comedy. <laughs> yeah. Move him behind you.
1: Yes. This is where the speed works.
0: Yes. I mean, most of the silly back and forths are speed. Yeah. Every production that a person's in, it's always pick up the speed. Yep. You need to pick up the speed. This, they got it.
1: That's that scene, because Leonardo's like, I'm fucking busy. Yeah.
0: I mean, fair, because, you know, Dogberry's not going to be able to tell you anything quickly. Yes. And you have a lot to do on your daughter's wedding day.
1: So it's the wedding.
0: Wow. It's so pretty. It's a wedding. Oh, wait. So quickly.
1: We jump to
0: Hero's Falls. They're like, do you? Hero's a bitch.
1: (laughs) I don't like her. She slept with someone else.
0: Okay, Shakespeare, good on you. I do like that it starts with, do you come this day to marry her? And Claudio's like, "No." no.
1: Leonardo just goes, ha ha ha. No, 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 no. You come to marry her, priest he's going to marry her haha wordplay he's
0: gonna be married to her but you marry them come (laughs) on
1: oh go claudia what a jokester and the
0: priest is like oh right obviously that's a yes then they're getting married hero do you and she's like yeah and it's like so do you you love her and claudia's like no She's a slut, and I hate her.
1: And Benedict's like, ha 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 ha, ha ha ha
0: breaking the tension. With a bad joke. And then he goes to get a drink, and I'm like, yeah, you, you need that. Yeah, bet. yeah, 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 yeah. This scene, Shakespeare's like, ha ha, weren't those some funny jokes? Everyone's gonna kill Hero because they assume she slept with someone.
1: This sucks, Shakespeare. I'm calling out on Shakespeare on this one. Claudio's the worst he waits until the wedding day to confront her about this information
0: because he's like I'm gonna shame her and show everyone who what she really is and I'm like that sucks sucks man
1: have a private conversation about this for the sake of everyone at least at the wedding keep this a private conversation also
0: the fact that the photographer continues to take <laughs> photos throughout this whole thing I'm like read Maybe the room they don't <laughs> i guess they're just like i'm getting paid for this i don't
1: (laughs) a moment i do love is that when he starts attacking hero beatrice like lunges for him and people stop her no i want people to not stop her until after she's gotten like a good slap or punch get a
0: hit in let her get a hit
1: i agree i think that you should just let beatrice talk shit get hit immediately
0: So I think Joss did a really good job staging this scene. Yeah. More than any other scene, I'd say this is the best staging. Because just with the fact that in Joss's backyard, apparently, he has this like little amphitheater set up. Yeah. And so all of the guests of the wedding are on this raised scale. And when everyone's turned on Hero, the camera is just from the ground, basically looking up at them. And they're all looming over her. And that's so terrifying. It's so crowded feeling and it's so uncomfortable and I love it. And then he starts, as everyone starts turning on her, especially once her father turns on her, the angles start becoming really awkward and it's not this calm, straight on shot like most of the scenes have been so far. It's tight and slanted and it's so different.
1: Also, Leonardo sucks, too. Fuck oh, Leonardo. He's a
0: bad dad of Shakespeare.
1: He says, then die.
0: And oh. Hero fucking faints. Understandably. Yes. And it's a pretty realistic faint. And I was like, oh, those are so uncomfortable looking. Like, both of us were kind of just like, Ugh. uh.
1: Though she's not dead. No. Leonardo's like, I wish she was dead.
0: Right, this scene hurts to watch which means they did a good job because it's supposed to suck shit
1: (laughs) see shakespeare did a bad job because later we know that everyone's happy everything's forgiven this is a no-no this is a never interact with these people ever again this is a
0: scene i'd expect from a tragedy yeah this is some king lear bullshit yeah
1: And so obviously, what do you do, Megan, when your husband-to-be leaves you at the altar accusing you of sleeping with another person and you faint and then he walks away while you're still fainting? What's the next logical step,
0: Well, the next logical step is for the friar who's still there to be like, honey, wake up. I've got a plan. You're dead. Everyone pretend she's dead. That'll fix all love. Because I'm a friar in Shakespeare. And I have no other hobbies but making little girls pretend they're dead for love.
1: I want a scene, Megan, of two people who are the least connected to these individuals who were still invited to the wedding. Because, and- like,
0: everyone just left, I guess. As soon as Claudia left, they're like, guess the wedding's over. Not going to stay to see the fallout or if Hero's okay. But
1: imagine if you and I were at that wedding. Oh, we'd
0: stay and watch and be like, what the hell's going on?
1: Yeah, I'd be like, I'm so uncomfortable right now. I'm having secondary embarrassment from what's going on here. Hey, Megan, do you want to go to like the food (laughs) table and get some food and maybe just kind of watch? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then go up to the photographer and be like,
1: why are you still, taking, are you still pic-
0: taking photos? <laughs> Can we get a couple? Because we're dressed nice.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Here's what bugs me. Her dad's in on it.
1: Well, the dad comes around. He's like, oh.
0: Oh, okay. I All ag- is forgiven. I
1: agree, Megan.
0: He's just like, wait, you didn't do it. I guess you shouldn't die and you're not a whole shame to the family. So yeah, let's pretend you're dead.
1: Also, we get a shot, Megan. I don't know if you caught this. Uh... this
0: little Easter egg. <laughs>
1: But we get a shot of the bouquet, which symbolizes that she was going to get married, and now isn't.
0: (gasps) Symbolism. Joss Whedon does it again.
1: And so then we cut to Beatrice alone. Which usually happens after everyone else leaves, but Joss changed the location, which is fine.
0: Yeah, she's inside the house. Benedict comes up. The whole start of this scene is filmed in the reflection of a mirror. That's interesting. I thought it was cool, and I feel like you could say it symbolizes something, but I am not that good at symbolism.
1: So for all of the time that Beatrice hasn't spoken during the past scene, I don't think she would be as quiet as she is right now, because I think she would be more like seething anger crying.
0: Right, not like, oh, my poor cousin, so sad, like, this motherfucker... (laughs)
1: Yeah, you would be angry crying. But I don't disrespect this choice. That's just not what I would do.
0: It shows a different level to her again. Yes. Which makes her more of a rounded out character, because we do see her kind of mad throughout most of the film.
1: My problem is that when Beatrice and Benedict are in a scene, they get trapped in the very samey back and forth that I think that you're losing line meanings while you're doing it. That I mentioned before, I think they get trapped in it. And so I think that Benedict interrupts her by saying, I do love nothing in the world so well as you is not that strange. And I think that needs to be more of an interruption. Yeah. Of her emotionally outpouring. He's just trying to make things better or like distract her in some way. Right. Like, Or he wanted to go up to her after the wedding in general and tell her this. And it's just
0: kind of bottled up and then it just comes out.
1: Yes. But he does nothing like that. And I don't think it works.
0: Like I'd like if it was like, Fast, fast, fast. This thing. Pause. Oh. That line, the way it's said, I agree it doesn't have the right feel because it gives me the vibe of, like, the Silent Hill cutscenes that were in the trailer for the video game, where they're like, I love no one so much as you. Is not that strange.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I can see that now. (laughs) And it's, you're right, it is weird.
0: It needs... To have weight, and instead it sounds like Dream Sequence Silent Hill. Yes. I think that just kind of continues throughout this scene. I usually really love this scene. Me too. And I feel like it's one of the weakest points in this film. Yes. Which is so strange, because these two actors are good at these roles for the most part, but this scene is supposed to have a lot of weight, and especially if you're telling someone how much you love them, after seeing what you just did... I feel like they're not remembering at all what just happened between Claudio and Hero when they're just like, yeah, no, I love you forever. Love is real.
1: I disagree with you on one thing, Megan. Yeah. I don't think Denisoff is good in this film. I think that Acker is good. I think he's
0: not bad.
1: Oh, he's not bad at all. That is different.
0: Like, I think that they have good chemistry, but I think that chemistry relies a lot on Acker's performance.
1: I think he was miscast. I think that...
0: He should have been Don Pedro. Yeah,
1: he should have been Don Pedro. He would
0: have been a great Don Pedro.
1: Yeah. I don't know who would be your Benedict, but...
0: No, but just...
1: Hey, I know someone who would have been a good Benedict. Huh. Unconventional. Alan Tudyk.
0: (gasps) Oh my god. Alan Tudyk could do anything. Well, yes.
1: (laughs) Well, yes. But I think he could bring the sincerity as well as the bravado.
0: It would be a very different, yes, like you said, very unconventional. Oh my god, I want that.
1: Yeah, that sounds sounds great.
0: Oh, literally, if you said any role and said Alan Tudyk, I'd be like, <laughs> he'd be a great Ursula. <laughs> what are you talking?
1: I mean, he would honestly. So one thing is, I think that Beatrice saying kill Claudio is good, but I have such a specific. Way in my brain that I hear the lines, kill Claudio and I would eat his heart in a marketplace, that Amy Ecker isn't doing. And it's not her fault, but.
0: I mean, because the thing is, if she did it the way I'd want it, it would stand out real weird in this scene.
1: Yes, it doesn't match the energy of this scene.
0: They'd have to change the whole scene. And I don't want a backseat actor. I haven't done the role, it's probably hard.
1: Megan, I think you would do a good Beatrice. Thanks. But yeah, as a director, it's weird to say I don't want a backseat direct, but I do. Because that's what directors do. But I would direct the scene very differently. Because of the fact that I would like to keep the reminder of what just happened.
0: Yeah, that's, I think, honestly, if I was going to give one note to this scene, and I think that would make a huge difference, is just... Remember what you just experienced.
1: That's all you need. The scene is not separate from that. Anyway, we got more comedy.
0: Baraccio and Conrad are getting interrogated by Dogberry's crew. It's funny. It is funny. Conrad's not having any of this shit.
1: Baraccio just kind of reveals everything for no reason. Because
0: he's a baby and he's not having sex with Don John.
1: He's like... P police <laughs> I'ma give you everything.
0: Well Conrad's like ass.
1: You're a fucking ass.
0: It's just good. Also, oh look how easily they changed Conrad's pronouns. Hmm, interesting. It's almost like that's super easy to do.
1: This is a call-out post for private Romeo once again. Again, I have no, There's no notes.
0: Like, it's just well done. If you know this scene, if you know this interrogation scene, they did it. They did it good. And now the police know everything that
1: happened. And then in the next scene, we get Benedict confronting Claudio.
0: Because Benedict promised. He said, no, I love you, Beatrice. I won't kill him, maybe. But maybe I'll duel him, maybe. I promise I maybe.
1: So the gun comes back. And uh, I guess he just threatens Claudio with it before slapping him across the face. And calling him a villain. A, I like that he just comes out and says, like, you're... An asshole.
0: Also, nice slap. Good Mm, sound.
1: Love a good slap. So then, like, Benedict just leaves.
0: He's like, yeah, you heard me.
1: I'm gonna challenge you. Meet me in the Denny's parking lot. And then he leaves. And then all of a sudden, the police show up with the two boys. Everyone's like, what's going on? Except Benedict's not there, so he can't resolve things. No,
0: Benedict left. So all the men in the house that aren't Benedict run to see what the police have to say.
1: And what do they have to say? Baraccio just reveals everything again. Let me tell you the
0: whole story because I'm Baraccio.
1: Like, literally just tells them everything.
0: And everyone goes, oh no, poor Claudio and Leonardo. They were so wronged. Don John's the bad man.
1: The one bad person who did a bad thing.
0: Also, Don John escaped.
1: And also, Leonardo's the one who's saying this, who also-
0: Leonardo's like, I did nothing wrong. Wow, what a good father I am. Claudio, you also owe me, because I'm a great father. You have to marry my niece, who's not Beatrice. No, not Beatrice. A different niece.
1: Who looks exactly like Hero. Okay, here's the thing. This plot point, super weird.
0: Really weird. I'd be like, can't I just give you money?
1: Or also (laughs) just be like, hey, you should just mourn Hero's death and then just have her show up there
0: pull a winter's tale. Yes. Be like, "Hey, be sad and you'll get her."
1: I would like to say uh, leonardo just says uh naughty man.
0: This naughty man. This naughty
1: man. I just needed to put that down.
0: Also Dogberry keeps reminding everyone that Conrad called him an ass and <sighs> every interjection of it is great. Oh, just like uh, also please note uh that she called me an ass
1: when you give her the punishment. Uh remember she called me an ass. Call me an ass. And then the police leave, and they lock their keys in their car.
0: It's funny. It's funny. It's no, silly. No, no, no,
1: it is funny. I'm just making fun of it.
0: it. It's just like...
1: And that's a movie wrap on Dogberry and Verges.
0: So, one of the conditions for Claudio marrying this copy cousin is that he has to go to this vigil for Hero. And so we cut to the vigil... Sure. And everyone's walking down those beautiful steps again, but they've all got their candles. It's a little candlelight vigil for hero. No one wonders why Beatrice isn't there. Yep. That's really weird to me. You'd think she'd be, like, leading it. They were super close. But no, she and Hiro are just watching in the breeze from the hill that is Joss Whedon's backyard. <laughs>
1: So then we cut to Benedict writing a love letter for Beatrice, and he's singing badly. And I don't think it's that funny. No. I don't think he's playing off this very well. And he just says that certain rhymes are bad rhymes for other rhymes. And they should have just cut a lot of this, in my opinion. Yeah. He does reference Troilus, which is...
0: Shakespeare, Shakespeare!
1: I do love it when you get a reference to Troilus and Cressida in a Shakespeare work.
0: Shakespeare does it in, like, every romance. He's like, remember Troilus and Cressida? I'ma write that, or I wrote that.
1: (laughs) Benedict and Beatrice talk about how Benedict did challenge Claudio, and she's super happy about it. And she's like, okay, you deserve love now. And
0: (laughs) she gives him the fastest kiss in Illyria.
1: But then Margaret runs in and is like, Oh my god, John John's been captured. It's been revealed that Hero's innocent.
0: We gotta go do this weird second wedding.
1: We gotta get this plot resolved fast.
0: I do want to say, I think Alexis Denisov did a good reading of the last line of this scene where he's like, I will live in thy heart, die in thy lap, be buried in thy eyes. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, doll, I'll go with thee <sighs> to the thing. Sorry.
1: <laughs> yep. All right, Megan, final scene, wedding part two. I noticed that once again, Leonardo says that Claudio has been innocent.
0: As with himself. Yep. God, they were both so wronged. They would never have said anything bad to Hero. Yep. If it weren't for the fact that they kind of felt like they should have every right to, because, you know, women mean nothing.
1: Benedict wants to get married, too, and he talks to the priest, and it's really cute. I think that it's a cute moment. It is.
0: And then the photographer's there again, and I'm like, once again, photographer, this is a pretty awkward situation. I mean, at least you're here for Beatrice and Benedict? I guess that's a cute wedding. But you didn't know about that one.
1: So we get to the wedding, and boy howdy.
0: We get some Joss and bullshit number five. Uh-huh.
1: Yes. So there's a line in this scene in which Claudio's basically saying, I will love this cousin because of my love for Hero. And in it, he mentions, I would love you even if you were an Ethiopian. Which sucks. It does suck. Yeah. Okay? But what Joss Whedon does is he acts all high and fucking mighty by having a background actress who's black raising her eyebrow at Claudio's words.
0: And, like... It's a direct camera cut to just her face.
1: Yes. So here's the thing. You do not get to make fun of Shakespeare.
0: Having that line when you chose to leave it into your modern production?
1: You chose to leave it in. A. B.
0: None of your actors are black?
1: None of the people who speak words.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. There is that background actress who I think he just cast a black woman for this Ethiopian. line. Yes.
1: And that is a huge Joss Whedon thing.
0: That's when we're like, we have some issues with Joss Whedon. That's why. Yeah. This one is why. This is a perfect example of why.
1: It's very performative of just like, look at how good I am. Compared
0: to Shakespeare.
1: Yes. Look how good I am. Let me
0: point out how racist Shakespeare is while being kind of racist. Also, I had that racist turban
1: yeah going
0: on earlier also i only cast white people who are my friends i don't have very many reoccurring black actors in my stuff or brown actors or asian actors oh they're all kind of white whoops we continue on with this wedding and claudio's like yes not hero i will marry you not hero Shakespeare, this shit is whack. I know we just said it earlier, but watching it, it's so weird. Yeah. And Uh, then Hero does this whole, I was your love when I was alive. Oh, she's a zombie.
1: (laughs) No, it's just Hero. It's
0: just Hero. It's whack is what it is.
1: It's like, Claudio, you were sad about me being dead. Therefore, I've forgiven you.
0: Without you apologizing ever at all, still at all.
1: And there's no red flags whatsoever and still going through with this. Okay. And me and
0: Don Pedro in the background are both like, the fuck? But I think his is really just the fuck? She's alive and me is the fuck? All of this?
1: Yep. And so they are happy because they're together again. Woohoo.
0: And then it turns out Beatrice and Benedict find out that they were set up to fall in love with each other. And they're like, I'm only marrying you because you love me. I don't give a shit about you. But oh, no, no, no. We found love letters. We got the receipts.
1: And they do like physical comedy trying to reach for the love letters like, oh,
0: Ooh, they're fighting over him. Grab it. Oh, but then she got his. Oh, but she wrote one, too. Oh, now her hands are too busy with his and now he can grab it. And oh, no, they're reading it. Oh, they're reading it and they fall to the ground in each other's arms reading the love letters. It's the most sitcom love story thing I've ever seen in my life.
1: I think it would be funnier if they read each other's love letters and they hated what the other person wrote, but then they realized that they were very similar in that regard. Like they're just
0: like, oh, you, oh, oh. that's, I mean,
1: I guess I still... endearing, I yeah, guess. Yes, uh, mine wasn't that great either. I think that would be funnier.
0: And then there's the iconic line in Megan's brain when Benedict's like, stop or I will stop your mouth or whatever. And then he kisses her. And that's all I can ever picture when I hear that line or read that line is that moment from this film.
1: A thing I do love is that Benedict tells the priest like, we should get married later.
0: Shakespeare's like, I don't want to do a whole nother wedding. So... Maybe let's all just dance, and then the audience will be focused on that, and then I can just close the curtain.
1: <laughs> yeah, and everyone does a hey na na ni, hey na ni, a hey na na ni.
0: So everyone's dancing, and I notice that Leonardo and Margaret are dancing together. Are they gonna end up together? Why does everyone love Margaret? Because she's Ashley
1: Johnson. She's pretty cool. That's yeah, it. Yeah, that's
0: it. That's Joss Whedon's much ado.
1: Let's hey na ni, man. <laughs> do, do,
0: do. MVP?
1: Yes, let's do MVP.
0: I think it's obvious. Is it obvious again? Yeah. It's Amy Acker, right? It's
1: Amy Acker. It's Amy
0: Acker. It's Beatrice. She was incredible.
1: She's great. She
0: pulled this whole thing together. She carried that relationship.
1: I would give it to Fran Kranz if Claudia wasn't a shitbird of a character. And
0: that's not his fault.
1: And he played being a shitbird pretty well. Yeah,
0: he did really good. Like, he gets second place. Yeah, I would agree. The problem is just the role's not as big.
1: I would give Nathan Fillion second place. Really?
0: I'd give Fran Krantz second place. I would
1: give Fran Krantz third place. Fair.
0: Before we get to our ratings, I have a quote that I think Shakespeare would say if he saw this production of Much Ado About Nothing. I wish my horse had the speed of your tongue. Fair. Marquez, what would you rate Joss Whedon's Much Ado About Nothing?
1: I think I would rate it a sort of Goodly-esque rating with a little few caveat-y things that ultimately don't work in this film. That was me trying Buffy-speak a little bit, Megan.
0: I get it. I got it. I pick up what you're putting down.
1: Maybe a sort of 11 out of 20-ish. Megan, what would you rate Joss Whedon's William Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing, or as I like to call it, man?
0: I would rate it four people in a pool. Out of the five stars that photographer must have gotten for dedication to their job.
1: I like it. I think that's going to do it for us here on this week's Avant Bard. If you like what you heard, please follow us on all social media platforms at Avant Bard Pod. And if you really liked what you heard, please support us on Patreon.com slash Avant Pod.
0: There's bloopers! You can listen to them before next time. But until then, we will see you anon.
1: Uh hey nanani.
0: Anani nani.
1: <laughs> Avant Bard is created by Matthew James Marquez and Megan Charlo. To support the show, visit patreon.com/avantbardpod. We would like to thank Riley Allen for the creation of our theme music. Cloverkin for our logo artwork, and everyone in the audience for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Avant Bard, you can visit us on all social media platforms at Avant Bard Pod.